Hey everyone, it's Alan Schemmel for DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps chat. Uh, you know what? It's we're recording this so December 23rd here, getting near the end of the year. This is probably the last DevOps chat of the year. So what a great way to end our year of uh, a fantastic DevOps chat with Raphael Sweary, uh, president co-founder of WalkMe. Raphael, welcome to DevOps Chats. Thank you, Alan. I'm uh, super excited being here. It's one of the last days of selling Q4, and you know how it is uh, when you're uh, B2B business. It's a big quarter for us, so um, I'm actually feeling privileged that I can spend some time with you. I, I, pre- I appreciate you taking that. I know how crazy it is. You know, Raphael, that, that just on the subject, that's something I've noticed the last two, three years. Years and years ago, kind of the, 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 the consensus was that, especially here in the U.S., after Thanksgiving, things kind of shut down. People got in that holiday mode and, slow, and business slowed up. But I don't know whether it's because we live in a more global economy now or just things are that different. The last couple of years, this, the last couple of weeks of the year have been absolutely frenetic with, with people doing things and deals coming in and sales being done uh, right up to the last second, it seems. Yeah. So I've never felt the Thanksgiving effect. Uh, For us, it's always uh, the last quarter of the year was strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's because of budgets that companies have and they want to use it. And sometimes uh, people have something on their desk that they want to come to closure with uh, by the end of the year. So next year they can start building and, and start implementing the new software that they bought. So I've never felt it, but I've definitely heard uh, people talking about this phenomena. Yeah. Uh, so it might be, as you say, the globalization and everybody's connected all the time. And uh, so we're kind of hooked. We're kind yeah. of I, I, I agree. I agree. So, but Raphael, the, the big news is, well, the big news for... For WalkMe, as you guys have recently announced, what was it, a $90 million round? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a $90 million round. Like it, it brings the total that we raised to $307 million. Wow. Um, we went into this funding. This funding, uh, we didn't really thought about raising money. And um, we started starting entertaining with the idea because we were very, very well funded before and we're selling a lot. So we are, um, we didn't really, we're not a startup that is in a dire need of, of, of cash. We weren't in such a situation. We were very lucky there. And we were planning, we're planning, we had our hopes is, is, is to, uh, to go cash flow positive and start thinking about going public, et cetera. Now, what is happening is that on one hand, we saw a huge opportunity to grow much faster than what we planned uh, because things were going really, really well with our uh, larger accounts. And on the other hand, there is a a lot of uncertainty uh, crippling in to the market. So uh, you you, you see 
some uh, instability in the financial markets. Uh, that's overall is is not it's not sustainable. But you keep seeing people are uh, you, you start seeing those articles about be, being uh, uh, writing about the valuations being too high, etc. And second thing, you go into an election year. Now, uncertainty is not good for business, and uh, those two uh, things brought us into the option of possibly raising capital. We didn't uh, plan to raise uh, so much money, but when you are dealing in such valuations and when you're raising money from later stage funds, they have a minimum uh, that below that minimum, they're not interested in the deal, even if the deal is great, just because they can, from a portfolio management they got to deploy a lot of money into every company. The minimum uh, for, for, for Vitruvian, which is the fund we selected to work with, was 70 million. And then, you know, we have preempt rights, and which was exercised by our existing investors, which made the round into 90 million. Right. So it's crazy. So, you know, Raphael, as we were talking off, off mic, you know, we live in a bit of a crazy time. I don't know if it's crazy or it's just the new normal. But we live in a time where large numbers like this are not as unusual as it was when I was doing startups, you know, even 10, yeah. 20 years ago. And and so, look, first of all, congratulations, right? Because I don't care what anyone says. It's hard raising money and it's hard raising that kind of money. So yeah. obviously you're doing good stuff there. But I, I think the question for our audience is, okay, so now we have another well-financed startup here, raised $307 million unicorn valuations, but what does it mean to them? How, how is this going to change and affect their life, right? When we, when we look at WalkMe, right, yeah. digital adoption technology to help bridge the uh, digital skills divide. Yeah. How are you helping people with that? So I want to first start with the unicorn. Uh, it's it's a nickname I don't like. I got to say. Enough. And it, it's overly inflated. So mm-hmm. when I get up in the morning, uh, I'm not worried whether we're a unicorn or not, right? Um, um, uh, what I'm concerned about is our stakeholders. Our stakeholders is our, first of all, I, our employees and our customers are in, in number of one place. And I want to make sure that we're providing a business for them. Uh, uh, and and we're, we're, we're working in such an environment where, where we make everything better for everyone. Okay. So this is my concern. My concern is not whether we're a unicorn or not. Um, by the way, speaking about that, I think that uh, TechCrunch, I think it was TechCrunch suggested to stop uh, looking at whether you're a unicorn or not, but are you over 100 million in ARR or not? Right. Uh, I'm glad to say that we are uh, well, over 100 million in ARR. Mm-hmm. So it's not. Now let's talk about a little bit about digital adoption. So for us as users, there is a lot of technology available. Uh, and we, we, we can use technology everywhere. The problem is that the technology is changing very, very fast. And for us as humans, we don't change that fast. 
the, the, the common uh, with, uh, saying is that when, when practice makes perfect, but actually practice makes a habit. And changing a habit is something that is very hard to do. You're accustomed to do something in one way and to change how, how you do, uh, how, how you adapt to this change is something that takes very long. So I don't know if you ever moved from a Windows to a Mac machine or from, oh, I <laughs> you, you've been. So oh, yeah. you know that the first few days were painful, right? Mm -hmm. They were painful. They weren't yeah. fun. Like, it, right? It takes some time until you, you so uh, uh, Mac, uh, I don't know what the move you, you, you've done, but Mac might be much better than what you had before or Windows much better than what you had before. But when you make the change, those first few days, weeks are very tiring. You got to focus very hard. Now, but this is a change you wanted to do. Nobody forced you to do this change. You wanted to do it. Now, when you go into an enterprise environment, what is happening is that you're forced to make, you're forced by the company to make many, many changes to the way you work because uh, the, the company uh, implements a new software, because the company is, uh, uh, has, a, has a new process on an existing software, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And what happens is that you find yourself overwhelmed with all those changes. You go to, to do your performance appraisal and the process changed or the application changed. And you find yourself learning it again and again and again. Now, this is where WalkMe comes in. WalkMe reverses the relationship between the user and technology. If today, when a user uses technology, he has to focus and he has to think and understand what he needs to do in the software. We do the opposite. The software tries to understand the user and help him achieve what he came to do. Now, usually what he came to do is to do uh, something specific. So this is how we help on, on the user level. Um, but the way we, so, so when, when you are in a company and you're an employee of a company, uh, you, today you have many software packages and it's very hard to track them and we help you to do that. But the, uh, also important is what we do for the company itself. So the general idea when you implement new software is to, uh, improve your business. Usually companies don't buy uh, products for spite. Like I might uh, buy a jacket because I feel like it, mm -hmm. but no company buys anything because they feel like it. They buy in order to do something. Now, usually the things that they're looking to do is to sell more or to spend less or to reduce risk. Like any expense that a business will do will fall into one, at least one of those buckets. Now, what, what companies buy most is technology. It's the biggest expense after human resources. So companies invest massive amounts of money in technology, but a lot of the times they're not gaining the benefits. So let, 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 let me 
that uh, dive a bit deeper there. When a company buys or implements a CRM, what is their goal? Is their goal to replace the Excel file or the notebook that the salesperson was using? No, that's not their goal. <laughs> their goal is to sell better, right? Yeah. Their idea is that if the salesperson will use the CRM correctly, they will be able to use AI to recommend which pipeline to focus on, on one hand. On the other hand, they would have better predictability so they can report to the market. And also the HR team would be able to look at it and understand if they need more employees or less. And the, uh, the purchasing department will understand what supplies they need. So the hope is that with putting digital, the company will operate better. Now, what happens? What happens is that the salesperson, when he comes to the CRM, it's not helping him. He's struggling. And what happens is that he's forced to use the CRM. So what he does is documenting in the CRM. He actually continues to work on, on, on his Excel file and he works on his notebook. Okay, so you're not gaining all those benefits because it's not predictable. It's done retroactively. Okay, it happened once the action happened. Okay, it's a lagging indicator. And a lot of companies, a lot of time I talk to CIO and they say, oh, I have a great usage for my CRM. And I said, look, if you want to know if you have adoption for your CRM, go to a salesperson and ask him what is going to close this quarter. If he opens the CRM, you have adoption. If he's going into his notebook or his Excel file, he's documenting and you're not gaining all the benefits. And then it's very easy to see that a lot of, for example, the pipe moves from stage two to stage eight, right? Because you're not really keeping current. This is of course one example. Same thing is true about any type of professional applications that companies use, and even more on everything that is a digital workforce application. If it's interesting, I can give you some more examples of what we see at our customers. I, I, agreed, agreed. You know, you, I'm sitting here listening to you talk, Rafael, and I, you know, you, you can't help but, you know, put your own, how it fits in your we we went through this right here at media ops right we we have a crm tool and okay. i'm trying to break the people of using whiteboards and spreadsheets mm -hmm. you know and and it's it's just as you describe right all yeah. the reasons all the motivations but and but it's also a process yeah i, I how how do you handle this process so as I've gotten older, I think I've become a better parent and a better supervisor. I used to try to force people. I'd yeah. say, you can't use the spreadsheet. I'd wipe the whiteboard. I want it all in the, in our case, it's HubSpot. I want it all in HubSpot. Yeah. And what I found is, you know, they would pay lip service to me and they would just move the whiteboard out of the way or they'd have a spreadsheet that they didn't show me. And then... And then it would be like double work, Raphael. So they would do it in a spreadsheet. And then to make me happy, they would kind of transfer that stuff into the CRM. Right? Yeah. But a funny thing happened. 
as they transferred more and more into the CR, CRM, the CRM became more and more valuable. Right? Mm -hmm. So you wanted having things in there that you couldn't put in there, just as yeah. you're talking about. You couldn't put these things in a spreadsheet anymore, right? Because there was there was more intelligence, if you will, built in there. And um, so eventually we started using it more. Yeah. But now think about this. Uh about it, with an enterprise that is global and has multi-branches and have a diverse workforce with different um, uh, digital IQ and no parent is there to tell them, put it into the Excel sheets and then uh, put it into the CRM. And then you, you start understanding the problem. Now, I assume that your uh, CRM was stabilized. What is happening a lot of the times, it's not stabilized, it's keep on changing because companies have new processes and then the process change. So for example, you, you keep learning from your business and you're like, well, if it's 30% discount, you need this approval process versus 15. And now you add another complexity and the salesperson is not able to work, right? So. And I think there is a solution. There is a solution. I think that, there, that, that, that what, what is stopping us from using technology to its fullest is the gap that happens between what the technology can do, what we can do as, as users, and how much it, how long does it take until it gets better, right? So anyone who's ever used the GPS would never want to go back to a map, right? As right. soon as you experience it, it's much better than anything you did in the past. Do you agree? So you I, don't need to work. Yeah, you don't I need agree, to work. Exactly. You don't need to work on adoption. But when you're talking about an enterprise application, there is a very big... Um, gap between the, the perceived value to the organization and until you see the value and until it trickles down to the employees. So let me take, let me take you through another example. So a lot of companies are implementing HRMs and the idea behind HRMs is that the employee can self-task right? You want vacation, you can take vacation. Now, in the past, let, let, let's assume, let's go back 20 years ago. An employee wanted vacation, he would fill up a form, it will go to his manager, his manager will scribble something, put it in his outbox, it will go into the HR department, and then into the finance department, and then back to the manager, and then back to the employee. Now, all those people worked on something that didn't add any value to the company. It's just an employee taking vacation. So the company has this great idea. We'll put a, a, a JRM in. And when an employee wants to take vacation, he would see whether he has a balance or not. Uh, once he asks the vacation, if there is an issue and other people in his positions are already in vacation, he's going to get an alert. And if he doesn't have the balance, he will get an alert, et cetera, et cetera. And you say... Let's automate this process. Now, it comes down to the employee. The employee wants vacation. He doesn't care about the process and how much time he spent. He wants vacation. 
it comes into this software. It doesn't remember the login because the last time he took vacation was a few months ago. And he goes in and he's not sure how to ask for vacation and he gets stuck a few times. And what does he do? He sends an email to his boss. What does his boss do? Sends an email to HR, that sends an email to a finance, that sends, and then you're not gaining the benefits, right? Because you don't see the value. Now for the company, it's super important that people use this application because it makes sure that all the uh, uh, vacation days are deducted on time and it really closes the loop and less people are working on it, but you're not gaining the benefits. Make sense? Yeah, make, makes perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm. Perfect sense. Raphael, I want to take a moment because we're, we're, we're running low on time. Yeah. You know, we, we spoke about how much money and all of that, and it's all great. I wanted to give people a sense, though, of how many organizations you're helping with WalkMe, right? So, and and the, the amount and how many applications you guys have, have, have uh, done integrations. Okay. So uh, customers, we have close to 2,000 customer logos. Uh, which means that uh, uh, when when I say a logo, if uh, let's say a company of ours, uh, let's say uh, just as an example, uh, Coca-Cola. Uh, so we have, uh, let's say Coca-Cola Greece and Coca-Cola US, it would be one logo, although they're two separate companies that might be completely unrelated. So we look at the logo level and we have close to 2000 including 30% of the Fortune 500. Regarding applications, WalkMe is platform agnostic. We, we really don't care what application you use WalkMe on. We have some enhancements that are specific for uh, the, big, um, uh, the big and, and popular applications such as Salesforce, uh, Dynamics, um, uh, workday success factors uh, and and those enhancements uh, again they're not about integration it's about we already have a lot of data about what's working in those systems and what is not because we did hundreds of deployments over them so there is a lot of things you learn between customers uh, when we come to a new uh, workday implementation today because we did about, uh, we did a, a, a few hundreds of them, we already know what the employees are gonna struggle with. We already know what the managers are gonna struggle with and we build it into our system so it's easier for our customers to create content, specific content. Make mm -hmm. sense? Got it, got it, got it, got it. Excellent. Raphael, I, we, I feel like you and I could talk about this stuff all day and lessons for people out there to learn to uh, hopefully make their businesses better. But we're, we're out of time. I, I try to keep these, as I mentioned, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Sure. But um, first of all, hey, congratulations on, on all of the success with WalkMe and more than just the mm -hmm. rate of money. 2,000 organizations using your product and really making a difference in, in trying to bridge this, this digital skills gap. It, it's 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 a great great thing you're doing and, and keep it up 
Secondly, and, we'd love to have you back on again soon, and maybe in the new year. And we'll keep sure. Uh, I would love to join and talk to you a little bit about um, what we do specifically for companies, how we help. Yeah. And try to give some tips to uh, some organizations uh, that we see and, and what we learn from there, because uh, we're always humbled by what we learn from our customers. And uh, it's some of the best businesses in the world. And it's really fascinating to see when technology works, uh, the competitive advantages that you're able to gain. Yeah, I, I agree. You know what? You've got an open invitation, my friend. So when, when you're ready, you'll reach out to me and we'll, we'll continue this. Awesome. I hope Marissa hears that as well. So, Alan, thank you so much. Thank and you. And I look forward to uh, talking to you again. Okay. Raphael Sweri, president and co-founder of WalkMe. You've, this is Alan Schummel for DevOps.com, and you've just listened to another DevOps chat. Have a happy new year, happy seasons, greetings, Merry Christmas, holidays, Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating. Enjoy, folks. Bye.